Welcome to the latest technology spotlight episode on the KnowledgeCast podcast, brought to you by Enterprise Knowledge. KnowledgeCast is a look into the world of knowledge management, information management, data management, and really everything in between. I'm Joe Hilger, co-founder and COO of Enterprise Knowledge. Today, I'm speaking with Dorian Seltz, the founder and CEO of Squirrel, an award-winning insight engine built with powerful AI. Welcome to the podcast, Dorian. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Tell us a little bit about Squirrel. We've obviously been working with you for a bit now and love the product, but give us the elevator pitch. Let's have our listeners learn a little bit more about what Squirrel is and why it's special. Thank you, Joe. What is Squirrel? Most of the companies that we do work with, they have a lot of data from all walks of their enterprise. They consume data from the outside of the company that can be market data. They obviously generate themselves lots of data, say as an example, all types of call notes or orders or support tickets. And it's growing exponentially. That's all of um, the universe we operate in. Most of these data sets have that unfortunate habit of being so-called unstructured data. Easily accessible to us humans, we can read and comprehend that immediately. But it's a bit more difficult for, as an example, a computer, because they only can work with zeros and ones. And what we do with Skuro is very simple. We try to extract insights of the data sets to give them at the right moment to the right person as a part of her daily work to make better decisions in, as an example, how to guide a customer conversation or how to resolve a customer ticket. The way we do that on the back is obviously a bit more complex. That is, uh, we have built out over the past years an insights engine that does a couple of things we believe quite well. It, A, does unsilo and connect and synthesize data from various systems. B, it starts to extract out of these data sets insights like described. And then C, it provides them in a seamless and bespoke experience integrated into your workplace as an example as part of your salesforce environment where we simply inject those two or three insights about which client to talk to today or about attributing the right workflows say in conjunction with ServiceNow or pega or if you simply use it in a standalone way to have a comprehensive dashboard that gives you a immediate insight into where you should actually put your focus on you know, Dorian, I'm so glad you mentioned dashboards because that's something that's really struck out to me on your product. I think when I first met you and we first started working with Squirrel, I thought of it as just a simple search tool. But what I found in working with you that more often than not, while you can do that classic search experience, and that's important in our KM world, your dashboards are fantastic. And it really is about insights. Share a little bit more about the thought process there and how you moved from really being what many would say a classic search engine into really an insight engine producing dashboards and other information for people. Yeah, great question. So a bit of a background of the company. My co-founders and I, we go back about 20 plus years. We've been working in a number of companies together. It's professionally speaking, the greatest privilege of my life to be with them. And one of the last companies we did about 18 years or so ago, we were approached by the, at the time, incumbent telecom company in Switzerland that also, like many other countries, operated a yellow page proposition. Maybe you remember, Joe, and I surely do, those yellow page books that later on starts to use to put their screens on, right? And actually, this industry, and I loved it at the time, is one of those industries that has been fundamentally transferred by the internet as such, right? None of these bigger players from the time do still exist today. It's really kind of like a transformation. So at the time, what we did is we digitized the whole of the yellow page space in Switzerland. 
And to give you an example, right, we did obviously 18 years ago what today is an everyday use case, like what are the best restaurants in Bern or what's up in the cinema in Zurich or where is a good place to take your family on a weekend in Geneva? This type of elements we want to provide to our user base, which sounds commonplace today, 18 plus years ago, wasn't as such a commonplace. There was no Google Maps as an example. Now, we eventually succeeded and eventually built that to become the largest web property in Switzerland and indeed served millions of users a week with exactly this type of information. So where's the next best restaurant to go to? Where is the garage to bring your car for a repair job and so on? And one thing that always struck us in, we obviously saw what our users were doing, right? We had north of 90% of the active internet population at the time, our weekly regular users most users do not know what they look for. You know, obviously you can say, yeah, I know what a restaurant is, but little anecdote in Switzerland with the multi-language environment, as an example, what we would in the German-speaking part of Switzerland describe as a restaurant, they would in the French-speaking part describe as a café restaurant, café, which is more than simply a translation issue. So let's suppose you go with your say, Germanic mind to Geneva and you look for a restaurant, you won't find anything because it's not described that way in the index. The restaurant owner would not even call themselves restaurant. They would call themselves cafe. So what I want to say with that is actually one of the two Achilles heels of my view of search. Two bigger Achilles heels of search are audio, voice, and the other one is that most people do not know what they look for, especially if it's a bit more complex than simply looking for the next best restaurant. Voice is a tricky one, right? Think about if you go today to Google and somebody would read out that Google result list to you. I believe you, Joe, and I would agree. We would probably be bored after the first 20 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. I have not heard anyone ever listening to a voicemail message that is more than a minute or so. And if you want to read out an entire Google result page, that's going to take a long time. So voice is an issue. Now, we do not work today in the open consumer search space. We work within companies for company insights. So let's leave that voice piece aside and let's focus on the other one. I always make a point about, let's say, Joe, I would join you at Enterprise Knowledge, right? I might have a faint understanding what search is and what knowledge management is, but I surely do not know all the intricacies of how you guys over at Enterprise Knowledge run your business. I wouldn't know your customers. I wouldn't know the people that you guys work with on, say, any customer relationship. So how can I even find my way around the information that you guys have stored? Obviously, I can call you. I can ask you, ask all your lovely colleagues and so on. They surely will give me a helping hand. And what works in an organization of the size of yours and ours, you're not multi 10,000 people organizations, that will not work in the moment you go to a large organization. So all of this drove us to sort of an insight that at the end of the day, why not try to figure out what is in the data itself? And if you're able to do that and maybe have a better understanding of what, as an example, you, Joe, do work on today, that can be a customer that comes up with a workshop request, or that can be, if you say, work in support, that can be a support ticket. Why not, if you moment you have a computational understanding of A, your profile of B, that type of informational request that comes off on the table, you can actually turn the tables. So instead of you trying to type in some complex SQL query that I will not manage, and I tell you from experience <laughs> of seeing that at local CH, most of my users were not able to manage too. 
why not actually turn the tables and say, hey, Joe, here are three things that are worth your time, three customer relationships that you should look at today, or here is a possible resolution for this customer ticket. And that's what we set out to do. And obviously, um, the way you interact with that for us today still is predominantly through a user interface that is bound to a computer screen. And hence, we, right from the beginning, started to invest heavily into making dashboards not simply representing information, but making dashboards allowing you to interact with insights and information. That's how it came all about. You know, I love that. And your description of the need for context when you're looking for information is often really underrated. You come to a new organization and you say, I can't find anything. And others that have been there will say, well, of course, that's in such and such a place. And that's kind of a classic knowledge management problem. And what you're saying, what I'm hearing is you're doing two things. You're pushing that information in front of them, that which is most important, and creating a dynamic, interactive environment so that people can almost dialogue with the information. So here's what I see now. Here's the question I have. How does this answer it? And continue to interact and come up with a better answer and better understanding. Really, Dorian, love that. You've talked about search. You've talked about really Squirrel solving a number of problems, including contact center, et cetera. Who should be targeting your product in an organization? Who should be the ones? Is it marketing? Is it your chief knowledge officer? Is, is it the contact center people? Who are the right ones to be learning more about Squirrel? I think there is a short-term answer and a longer-term answer to it. The short-term answer, we have that core nucleus of, of an insights engine where we also have this cognitive search capacity attached to it. So if you want to get started and simply have a comprehensive enterprise search solution like you, Joe, and us have been doing together with customers, that's a very good start. And I think that's department independent. That is useful for anyone, anywhere, in any organization as most organizations today still struggle within their organizations to provide that right type of information to the right people at the right moment. Now, that's the base. On top of that, though, we've started to build out applications. We divide them in sort of broad categories around sales insights, service insights, marketing insights, and risk insights, where we have, in as an example, sales insights, created a number of dashboards out of the box, including some level of workflow attached to it that allow you to, as an example, connect your Salesforce or your Microsoft Dynamics that allow you to connect, as an example, a SharePoint, where you also can ingest external data sets from some premium data sources. I think about Moody's as an example with whom we work, or I think about any other, maybe even RSS type data lake, where as a result of that, and then crunching the numbers, crunching the text, and crunching the data, and then integrating that back as an example into Salesforce, you get a couple of immediately useful insights. You get, as an example, a type of a SWOT analysis, which accounts have had a strong interaction pattern between you and your customers. Where are accounts that, as an example, have seen their level of interactivity or interaction, maybe with a negative sentiment attached to it, drop over the last 30 days? These are accounts you need to look at. Where are accounts where, as an example, based on the external information, you've seen that there is maybe an intent to expand the business that could be an opportunity for you? Or where there are accounts where a competitor of your customer has, as an example, discussed some expansion opportunity where you maybe want to interact with your customer by helping them understand what to do next. So these are applications that we have built on top of that core platform in sales. The same game works pretty well in services. We have now been doing a lot of that work also with risk insights, especially in the central banking space over here in Europe, 
And we have done that for some of our customers. So with the angle of a marketing insider, it's really about a more intimate understanding what happens in the marketplace. That's sort of the medium-term answer. The longer-term answer, I believe, we believe, that's the rationale also for this company, that you're actually going to see appear over the next couple of years an entire new software layer. We call that an insights layer. And the insights layer just does one thing. It gets the right insight to the right person at the right moment automatically. Give you an example of that thinking. Let's suppose you have that sales insights and let's suppose you have that service insights product working in your company. And we do that for a large Asian bank headquartered in Singapore, where we do on the backside of the bank, help them classify incoming service tickets in their commercial bank. So these are tickets where an angry CFO writes about, I don't know, some $10 million transaction that need to be translated to Singapore dollars and that didn't clear yesterday. And for that reason, whatever business failed, right, that normally creates some emotion. These can be very long threaded emails, right, going back and forth. And this bank here might not even be the counterparty because it's simply one of those correspondent banks. So, you know, it goes to many, many steps. With our type of insights engine, we help classify these type of inbound requests, associate them to the appropriate workflow within a PEGA service management system. Now, in the moment, you know that. In the moment, you know that also from other similar cases, because that Singapore to US dollar transaction that failed, as sad as it is, is not the first one that failed. It's a multi-currency, multi-jurisdiction, et cetera, environment. So, you know, things go wrong, legacy systems, et cetera. So in the moment you've looked at the historical, such similar patterns and similar cases, you actually are able to, with a high degree of precision, to say, this is going to be resolved tomorrow or the day after. In the moment, you know that type of information. Why not taking that piece of insight and giving that automatically to your account executive within the global banking division of that bank and to make that account executive pick up the phone and say, listen, Joe, we are terribly sorry, but your transaction didn't clear yesterday for this and this reason. It will clear by tomorrow morning. And actually, before everybody goes emotional, you actually haven't turned a negative that is, this transaction that didn't pass into a positive because you have been closer to your customer, you help them resolve the matter. And that is what we foresee in, in some level of future, that you will have such an insights layer that does exactly this. It gets that right insight automatically to the right person for her or him to get their job better done. I love that. That hits on so many points that are so you know, we talk about the future of knowledge management. And for the longest time, most people thought of knowledge management as doing a better job of managing the content within your organization. And what you just said, knowledge and information is not limited to that which is inside your organization. It's not limited to content. It can be data as well. And we should be getting people and you use our same terms. So either we just know each other quite well, or, or we just have such a similar background getting the right information to the right people at the right time is magical. And the example you just gave is, I think back to Steve Jobs when he used to say he wanted to surprise and delight people. And your, cu your customer was able to take a situation that could have been negative. And I've done this. I've done transfers to Europe. And if they don't show up that next day and I find out about it first, I'm annoyed. If someone reaches out to me and says, just want you to know this is coming, we care and we follow, I'm thrilled. And I'm thrilled even though they didn't achieve what they had promised to do, but it was because they were on top of it. So I just think of what that can do for an organization and how important it is to not just do knowledge management to make employees 
speak to other employees well, but to improve that conversation with the customer. And what I'm hearing is organizations that spend the money to get Squirrel aren't just getting an enterprise search engine. They're getting a tool that can be used to create sales dashboards, service dashboards, so that they understand what's going on. And even depending on the type of business, risk insights. So is it fair to assume, Dorian, you've got a few of these dashboards already, but more are on the way? It sounds like this is going to be a big piece of how you grow the business. Absolutely. Um, I love what you say, Joe, about this element of where you cite Steve Jobs about delighting customers. I, mean, I, thought, I, I did not think about it in this way, but you're right. We think it maybe from a more technical perspective. I always say information wants to be free. And in the moment, you're able to kind of like direct a piece of information to the appropriate receiver. It can do wonders. And yes, indeed, you can delight with that any of your customers. And you've seen that in your business. I've seen that in mine. In the best run businesses, things go wrong. And there is nothing bad in it. When we run local CH, I can tell you stories about that, right? We obviously had at the time and it's basically an ad-based business. And I can tell you at one stage, we had literally tens of thousands of ads misplaced because of some relatively, if I may say, stupid mistake. Now, this is not about blaming someone 20 years ago, but this is about the piece of what we learned at the time. We obviously got angry phone calls, right? And um, rightly so, because we didn't deliver on the promise we made. Then we start to realize that this is actually something you can turn around into a positive situation. A, obviously, you need to fix the mistake. And B, we also send some of our customers some Swiss Biberly, which is sort of a sweet to make locally here out of nuts and so on. They all love that. And then suddenly people came to us at the time, as an example, uh, to ask us about, oh, you know, my street is not yet in Google Maps. That starts then to exist a couple of years later, right? And we started to help them, to direct them to the appropriate places, as an example, to make such a change on, on this digital mapping, which was a total novel thing at the time. And I can tell you, this actually proved fantastic. Some of those folks became our most loyal customers. They were very critical of us, criticizing us loud and strong, and, and then turned around and became our most loyal customers. But coming back to your question about this, yes, indeed, we foresee that you will see sort of an emergence of that new class of software, such an insights engine. And by no means, we're the only ones that will build such applications. That's why we partner with companies like yours. And that's why we partner with, with other organizations, say, in the premium data space. There is so much innovation out there that can be done in that space. So we think we will provide an initial set of such applications, but we now start to work with other companies to do such a applications too. Give you an example, outside our relationship here, uh, Joe, um, with uh, Simples in Europe, they do, as a matter of fact, they build on top of our platform, they build an underwriting renewal application for the reinsurance space. If you're in reinsurance and such a reinsurance renewal comes on, on your desk, you need to actually consume a lot of informational pieces of the renewal request, obviously, of the previous uh, period and what that insurance did in that period, you know, how much did you have to pay out? What's the risk profile? And then, and then, and then. So comes a solution like ours, very handy. Now, by no means we're reinsurance specialists, they are. And as a combination of that, we now start, or better say, they start to build on top such a renewal automation application. And we foresee many such things happening in the future. It'll be a, an all-new game if you're able to make that informational transition from a more static, I go to information, to a more fluid, a more dynamic 
insights-driven informational setup in any company. You could almost call it information automation. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, <fair point. laughs> another thing I, I can't help but think that Squirrel is helpful in is the big challenges we have here in the States, and I think you're seeing it in Europe as well, is it is a tough labor market. People, I think last year was the great resignation. Companies are experiencing lots of turnover and are having trouble getting good people to work for them, finding the right people to work for them. And that means lots of new people without that context. How does Squirrel help with that area as well? Yeah, we um, see the exact same thing on this side of the pond. The great resignation, I think, is a, it's a good way to describe that. The other day, I, I read the statistics of all places, I believe France, where by now they have less people looking for a job than open positions by about a ratio of two or so, if I recall correctly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and that's a quite novel phenomenon, especially for places where, and let's be frank, it's not across all industries the same, right? So I believe there are still industries where that might not be that way, but others will be. So um, how can we help with that? It's part of the onboarding exercise, right? Like I said, you will not know yourself what to look for if you come afresh into a new company. So to allow you to have not only a comprehensive enterprise search application, but also a very specific application as example, say in sales, that guides you to the appropriate either information or to the client that you need to interact with or to any action that you need to take. I think that is very helpful. It in no way shall replace that person, but it shall augment that person's decision-making capability. That's why we call it a augmented intelligence solution. One thing I like about this is it can be challenging for organizations to get budget for enterprise search. It's not always top of the list, mm -hmm. but what you've done is someone that's looking at Squirrel can say, I want Squirrel and we're going to use this to build a sales dashboard or a services dashboard where it's simple ROI, very easy to see and track. And oh, by the way, it can also be our enterprise search engine. So it becomes really a framework mm -hmm. or an infrastructure that supports multiple things, makes a much easier ROI discussion and an easier buy discussion. Are you finding that people understand that in the market or is that something you're having to teach? Uh, it's something that we have to teach. I think it's the beauty and the beast of, of sort of the space we're both in, right? Enterprise search has been around for quite some time. In many ways, the promise of enterprise search has been a bit underfulfilled, if I may say, right? Uh, as a proxy of that, I simply take the fact that there is no real large player in that space. But that said, I think the piece that's fundamentally changing the game, that's fundamentally changing the game is with that whole level of new technology that came in over the past couple of years, the keyword is artificial intelligence, I'd, I'd rather call it machine learning. I think that does it more justice. You are now in the, the first time in a position to create what I describe as computational understanding of data. Before machine learning techniques came in, you only had an index, right? You simply had an index that was as clever or as stupid as an index in a physical book at the end of the book, right? You could parse it more quickly and more swiftly than the entire book to find XYZ term. And then obviously you'll find where that term comes or whether say is referred to in what page. But what the term in itself meant, what the term in itself does or what does not, it doesn't say. Now with that element of machine learning, you can turn the tables. So I do expect 
that this very much will allow to come up with a solution like ours and there are other people in the marketplace let's uh, give them also our regards that will be able to turn the tables on this game of really finally coming up with solutions that kind of like fulfill the promise of enterprise search and like we describe it today insights engines now that said Obviously, there is a certain reluctance in the market, especially by people that have maybe invested in such venues prior, were maybe not as satisfied as they could have been, where there was a mismatch between what was on the box and what was in the box. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? But that said, I, I don't know how you see that, Joe. I, I have a kind of like a deja vu feeling to some of the technology advances over the past 20, 25 years, right? Just an anecdote. I remember quite well when we started with the with the first business back in the mid nineties and started to build websites as a part of a spin off of a university here in Switzerland, renowned business school, and we did that in conjunction with one of the institutes there. And that institute was closely connected to UBS, a, a bigger bank over here, and uh, we literally built their first web page at the time. And we also had, as part of that institute research, the first functional e banking system called Telecounter, where you could, for the first time, at least in Switzerland, prove the point that you can wire money from one PC, notebooks weren't there yet, but from one PC to the other. So with that and our professor, we went to see the top bras of UBS Switzerland at the time and showed them their first website. The reply was, oh, you know, people, money, that's trust. They will forever come to our branches because money is not something that you simply do online. We know how that story, and we told them, this is going to be your most important communication channel. We know who won on that one. And then we said, oh, by the way, we have one more thing. And we showed them the ability to wire money from one PC to the other. And at that stage, I think, would Professor Schmidt not be in the round with us, they probably would have called security and kind of like walked us off the premises. Again, I'm still customer of that bank. About three years ago, I received a letter from that bank, an electronic letter, by the way that they described to me that by now, if you want to wire money physically at the counter of theirs, this is going to cost extra. The only way to do that in the future is going to be e-banking on their website. You know, and I prefer that. We're busy. It's wonderful to do that. And it's just more efficient. But you're right. That human touch has changed. And, and you know, I like what you said about search. And I'll tell you, our perspective is we've done work with 80 or 90 different clients around the world. And I want to say 85% of them have said search is one of their biggest issues. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some things that have happened. Yes, the promise of search hasn't always been delivered. I think the people delivering search haven't always known or understood it the right way. But there's some other changes. This whole digital transformation we've been doing for years. Everyone moved everything digital and said, well, how do I find it? <laughs> now it's important. With COVID, we're all working remotely. You can't walk to that person next to you and ask them where it is. You've got to have a, a tool that really works for this. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, as you talked about, we've really changed search from being a tool that does string matching. I found this word in this document to a tool that really understands what that piece of information is and treats information as an asset so that people can recognize it. And that means you can push them the right information. There's context and understanding. And it really, I think that's what's going to drive search implementations to be more successful this time around. And maybe it's the last time we do these. And it becomes searches, searches an expectation 
And then on top of it, we have all these incredible dashboards and and tools that really mine and push information to users the right way. Mm -hmm. I, I love that vision. I look at Squirrel as a leader in this space. And frankly, as we've talked, I've realized the space I saw the leader in isn't probably right. It's bigger than just a search engine. But you did say you have competitors. What besides a lot of what you've shared with us, synthesize, what makes your product unique? So if you're talking to a customer and they have to go to their boss and they have to choose Squirrel over any other engine, any other Insight engine, why Squirrel? I think we have a very solid foundational base where the core of the product is built around TDIDF database, aka built around Elasticsearch, on top of which we have built and invested a lot of proprietary IP in terms of how to acquire data, how to enrich data, how to then also present data. You spoke about those dashboards. That combination makes it very easy to adopt, as many organizations did make investments, say, in Elasticsearch. They can simply continue to use that and suddenly get five times the value out of that investment. That's on level one. On the next level is what we what we keep hearing from customers is that the ability to have these applications tightly integrated into, as an example, Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics or ServiceNow, Pega, makes it for them a difference because with that, they have an ability to not have yet another dashboard set because I believe most of us, us have a bit of a dashboard fatigue, but it becomes kind of like a natural part of your everyday work. You don't need to educate your users in yet another tool. It's simply maybe a widget in addition in an existing tool. And then thirdly, what we keep hearing more and more is the investment we've done in, we call that AI Studio, um, also the Skira Academy. The AI Studio is an ability to build your own machine learning models and go after one of the bigger, if I may say, dirty secrets of most of our customers, that they have a lot of data, but none of that data is actually labeled. And you cannot apply any machine learning on data if there is no guidance of how that machine learning technique shall pick up what's in the data. So you need to label data. Obviously, you can do things like auto-labeling, etc., but at the end of the day, it matters very much that um, a human operator at the beginning teaches these wonderful algorithms a bit what it is all about. I always compare that to my daughter. I also had to teach her that one and one equates two and not three and not four and a half and also not one and a half. It's the same here. So AI Studio is really a differentiator because you have a comprehensive um, solution that allows you to do this. And then with the Academy, we also have a comprehensive, I think, pretty much we're the only ones in that space who operate in, if you look at the Gartner Magic Quadrant, um, that have with learn.square.com, a um, academy that has courses for both business and technical profiles where they can learn from A to Z how to make an insights engine work in their environment, how to deploy it, what the business cases are, what the technologies that you need to work with are, and how to get that done. The last point maybe is what I think together with you, we just do that, the large industrial group in the US, right? We try and we try hard to really go above and beyond with a lot of passion after what our customers really want to do to support them in their mission. And this above and go beyond attitude, we heard that many, many times is really a key differentiator to really understand what is their mission what is that helps them to do more with data 
as it is a novel domain, you need to develop that together with customers. And that's one of the bigger differentiators, I think. Dorian, thank you. This is this has been a lot of fun, and you all have been wonderful wonderful to work with. I will tell you one of the things that really helped. We really met this past year in 2021, and one of the things that struck out to us is. At different clients of ours, there were kind of bake-offs or competitions between different search engine vendors. And the first time we watched this, we're like, who's Squirrel? How'd they win that? And then you did it again and again. And we said, wow, they must listen. Their tool must do something right. And we need to learn a lot more. And I think where that's brought us to is a, is a nice partnership, some good times working together. And, and really, it's been fun for you and I to get to know each other given our very similar backgrounds. So yes, thanks for joining us. This has been wonderful. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of KnowledgeCast. To check out more information on knowledge management and knowledge management systems, visit our website at enterprise-knowledge.com. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you, Dorian. Thank you.